1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? There's still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ready with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. The second reading is from John chapter 14, beginning at verse 15, and it can be found on page 764. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. 
Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and, he will, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. My welcome. You've joined us on a great evening. We're starting a, a new uh, four-part series in the, the personal work of the, of the Holy Spirit. I want you to imagine that you're there on the day of Pentecost. You're there the day the, the Spirit of God came. You're there in a room with other men and women and you're huddled together and you are terrified. You're scared for your very life. It's been a strange few months because you gave up everything to follow a man called Jesus and you spent years with him, listening to him and seeing the miracles and, and you were there when uh, they spat on him and they tortured him and they crucified him. And you were there when some people denied him and some people abandoned him and even you doubted. And then you were there when he appeared and said, look at my scars, look at my hands, look at my side. And you were there when he, he was bodily ascended back into heaven and you were there. And now you're huddled in a room and you're terrified. And suddenly, shh, a sound like a, a rushing of wind appears. And suddenly it gets louder and louder and louder. And, and suddenly you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you start to speak different languages. And you are speaking in a language you have not learned. And other people are hearing the gospel. And that is the day of Pentecost. When the Spirit of God came and your life has never been the same since. You can read about the Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. But since the day of Pentecost, this world has never been the same. What was it that, that took these disciples, these, these men, and they're quivering and shaking in fear, and suddenly they are courageously and boldly preaching the gospel? Who was it that caused these men and these women put their lives on the line for Christ? Who was it that took a small group of people and in one day, 3,000 people repent and believe? Who was it? It's the Spirit of God. 
God's Holy Spirit. Because when the Spirit of God works, nothing can stop him. It's the Spirit who transformed their lives. It's the Spirit who grew the church. And that's the same Spirit that God promises will live in you if you trust in Christ, if you repent and believe. And I hope, I really hope, that you've experienced the power of the Spirit in your life. I hope you you can say that there's a time or a period of time where where suddenly the the scales from your eyes were just removed and you saw Jesus and you understood the cross and and you fell in love with the fact that that the Son of God would die for you and you could be forgiven and, and you fell at your feet and said, wow, I believe in Jesus. That's the work of the Spirit in your life. I hope there's a time where you sat in church and you've come with a heavy heart and you're sitting listening to the word of God and you're almost praying, I don't want to hear this, I don't want to hear this. But the Spirit is at work saying you need to hear this. And you leave church like, like the burden's been lifted and your eyes have been opened. That's the work of the Spirit. Uh, maybe you have felt inadequate, incapable, weak and useless. And suddenly... Somebody has come alongside you and sat with you and encouraged you and prayed with you. Who brought that person? The Holy Spirit. I I do hope that you've experienced the powerful work of the Spirit in your life. We're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit over the next four weeks. And I have to say there is so much confusion. There is so much false teaching and there's so much fear about the personal work of the Spirit. Let's acknowledge it. We all come with our own baggages when it comes to the work of the Spirit. We all come with our own preconceived ideas about who He is and what He should be doing. As some of us here have come from other churches where you've sat under years and years of teaching where you talked about nothing but the Spirit. And you might listen to these sermons and think, gosh, he's very conservative. (laughs) And some of us have have sat in very conservative churches for years and years and years, and you're praying, I hope he's not too wildly charismatic. We all come with our own ideas. Let me say what I'm not going to do in these sermon series. I am not going to put out fires. I'm not going to start with an issue and then find a proof text to defend the position that we've already come to. I want to just start with the Bible. I want to just open the Word of God and let the Word of God speak. And as we do that, the issues will flow out. Issues like being baptized in the Spirit and led in the Spirit, they'll all flow out as we just teach the Word of God. And I hope you're here tonight open to the possibility that your thinking might be wrong or there's more about the spirit that you need to learn because that's what God's been doing in my life. As you open the word of God, God just says, actually, that's not quite right. Or you, you learn this, this truth about the spirit that you've never learned before. And I'm hoping you're open to that possibility and humble enough to say, Lord, spirit of God, 
Please teach me and change me through these sermons. Here's where we're heading. If this will work. Tonight I'm doing an overview. Uh, next week we're going to look at uh, the Spirit and salvation. Seeing the work of the Spirit bringing new birth. Convicting of sin and righteousness and judgment. And, and assuring you that you're a child of God. What, what an amazing work of the Spirit that is. To be certain and sure you're a child of God. Uh, week three we'll look at uh, the Spirit and sanctification. How the Spirit of God's at work to make you more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where we grapple with things like led by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, walking in step with the Spirit and not quenching the Spirit. And then week four, the Spirit in the church. Uh, how are we going to be empowered to live as Christians, live as church, keep united as a church and empowered to, to take the gospel out? That's where we're heading. And I'm excited to preach these sermons because it's not about getting our theology right. It's about preaching with expectations, isn't it? Expecting the Spirit to change you and to change this church as the Word is preached. So why don't I pray now? Father, thank you for your Spirit who lives in us. I thank you that you have not left us as orphans. We thank you that we can just spend this time grappling with your truths, and we, we need your help. I, I pray that what I speak will be truth. If there's any untruths, I pray, I pray you would uh, block our ears from hearing that. I pray that our hearts and our minds and our wills would all be changed through, these, uh, through this preaching. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at this verse. This is the words of our Lord Jesus. He says, I tell you the truth, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counsellor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Extraordinary words. Can you imagine that if you've lived with Jesus and he's been your personal counsellor for three years and he's comforted you, he's corrected you. Can you imagine hearing those words from Jesus when he, he basically says, it's for your good that I'm leaving you. you go, How can it be for my good that the Son of God would leave me? And Jesus is basically saying there is something better than being in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago with Jesus alongside you. Do you see that? Not, not a something, but a someone. Jesus is saying that we, the church... It's good for our good that, that, that Jesus is no longer here because he's not confined to one place or one group of people. Because we've now got the counsel of the Holy Spirit. Same in John chapter 14. I will ask the Father, he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Uh, the Spirit of truth. Uh, that word, uh, another in John 14, verse 16, it's another of the same kind. It's a bit like if you've got a, a beautiful uh, tea set, you know, the, the cups and saucers, and you've got eight cups and saucers, and you, you smash one. Now, you don't want any old random cup and saucer to go into your tea set, do you? You want one of exactly the same kind. Now, that, that's what he's saying here, that I'm going to send another Jesus, just like Jesus, to be your counselor, your, 
your paraclete, the one who will be there with you. And do you see that, see that word with you forever? I, I'm never going to leave you, he's saying. We've got two questions in our overview tonight. Here's the first question. Who is the Holy Spirit? Now, the Old Testament word for spirit is, is ruach. It means a breath, or it means wind. It means life-giving, energy-giving breath. In the New Testament, uh, the word is pneuma. It, it basically means um, power. Uh, if you put those two together, uh, the Spirit of God is a powerful, life-giving breath of God. And I could trace the work of the Holy Spirit through the whole Bible. If you didn't know, in Genesis chapter 1, the Holy Spirit is there, hovering over the waters, Genesis 1 verse 2. He, he's there at the Exodus. Uh, we read about how he's there anointing David, empowering him and equipping him. Uh, he was there at, at the conception of Jesus. He was there before Jesus was born. When Simeon sees the baby Jesus, the Spirit is there. According to Hebrews 9, he's there at the cross. He's there at the resurrection. He's there at the ascension. He's always there. Who is the Holy Spirit? Very simply, but most profoundly, he is God. That might sound really mundane, but it's the most important truth you're going to hear tonight. He is God. What did Jesus say at the Great Commission? Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Every Orthodox creed says the same point. The Holy Spirit is fully God. He's just as much God as Jesus Christ is and God the Father is. Just because the, the Spirit lacks a bodily form, just because you can't see him, doesn't make him any less God. And again, read your Bibles. He's described as eternal, the eternal spirit, Hebrews 9. Psalm 137, verse 9, it says, Where can I flee from your spirit? He's always present, omnipresent. Isaiah 40, he's the all-powerful one. He is all-knowing. What the spirit of God does, God does. I think the clearest is in Acts chapter 5. Remember when Ananias and Sapphira have stolen and they've lied. And Peter says in Acts chapter 5, verse 3, that you've lied to the Holy Spirit. And in the very next verse, Acts 5, verse 4, he says, you've lied to God because the Holy Spirit is God. Now, why does this matter? It matters hugely. Your God will be incomplete if you neglect the work of the Spirit in your life. If your God is just God the Father and Jesus the Son. You worship a triune God. Because, because the Holy Spirit is God, your aim is not just to understand him. So you could write a book or pass an essay. Your aim is to actually revere him and adore him and honor him as God. And because the Holy Spirit is God, the question not is, isn't what can we do with him, but what can he do with you? Because he's fully God. He's also personal. He's not a force or an influence. He's not an it, he's a he. That comes out clearly in John chapter 14. I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor, the spirit of truth, 
the word cannot, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you and this is what we get so wrong we see the spirit as a force there's a song that we sing savior king how's it go let the weak say i have uh, uh, power through no, let, let the weak say i'm strong through the spirit of power that raised Christ from the dead? Now, the spirit of power, who raised Christ from the dead? Because it's a him, not a it. Uh, again, read the Bible. The spirit speaks, the spirit testifies, the spirit guides, the spirit appoints, the spirit can be insulted and he can be grieved. Why does this matter? I'll tell you why it matters. Here's what R.A. Torrey says. If you think of the spirit as a force, you'll want more of it. But if you think of the Spirit as a person, you'll want a deeper relationship with him. Isn't that true? If you start thinking of the Spirit as a person, you want a deeper relationship with this triune God. Who is the Holy Spirit? Quite simply, he is God. What does the Holy Spirit do? We could spend the whole year talking about what the Spirit can do. It's almost impossible. He convicts, he converts, he applies, he assures, he equips, he empowers, he, he sanctifies, he unifies, he glorifies. Look at some of those in the next few weeks. Tonight, just four things to meditate on and to marvel at. The Spirit inspires. That's one of the works of the Spirit. He inspires the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed. That's the word again. That means that you and I can be confident that this is the spirit-filled, spirit-inspired, inerrant word of God. Here's how Peter puts it. He says, concerning this salvation, that the Old Testament prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come, they searched intently and with the greatest of care trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them, Old Testament prophets, was pointing. And so the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, came upon these Old Testament prophets and they spoke the word of God about Jesus. Same in 2 Peter chapter 1, when it says, Prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah didn't wake up one day and say, hey, I think I'll write a prophecy. It's the Spirit of God at work in him. Same in the New Testament. John 16. He said, I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what's yet to come. And friends, the spirit of truth guiding you into all truth has nothing to do with the spirit telling you who you should marry or what job you should get. He's not talking to you. He's talking to the apostles or to the disciples. And what he's saying is that after Jesus has gone, uh, the spirit will reveal, will guide those disciples into the significance of his death, the significance of his resurrection. After Jesus has gone, the apostles will be led into truth. And they'll write it down. And here it is, the scriptures. Why does this matter? 
Well, you and I can just say thank you to the Spirit of God for the greatest gift he's left the church, which is a God-filled, God-inspired word. Without the Holy Spirit, there will be no Bible. Have you ever thought about that? Without the Holy Spirit, there will be no Bible. Without the Holy Spirit, you and I could never understand the Bible. Second thing he does, he inspires and he interprets or illuminates. That's the work of the Spirit, to apply the Scriptures to your life, to give you understanding, to convict your heart, to convict your mind. How does the Bible describe the Bible itself? Ephesians 6, verse 17, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You ever thought about that? That this is the most powerful weapon you've got. As you open up the Scriptures, the Spirit feeds you, nourishes you. You ever had that experience? Where you've opened the Word of God and you have just been literally cut to the core. You came expecting to get nothing, and you left being richly fed. That's not your work. That's the Spirit of God at work in you. Or maybe you've come to the Word of God and you thought, I I don't like this. I really don't like this. Well, that's the work of the Spirit, because He's showing you your sin and your pride. Or maybe you've had that experience where You know, you come to the Word of God and you are just empty. You've got nothing. And the Spirit just reminds you that you're a precious child of God, kept by your Heavenly Father. Or or maybe you come to the passage, and I've read this passage so many times, I I could quote it off by heart. And suddenly you get this insight into a new truth that you haven't seen before. Where did that come from? The Holy Spirit. So this is why I get so frustrated that we seem to have this, this constant dichotomy between word and spirit. The, the, the word Christians are in a red corner and the spirit Christians are in a blue corner and we just stereotype them both. And the word Christians are all academic and cerebral and no emotions and the, the spirit Christians, they're, they're all emotions and there's no truth there, there's no academic stuff there. And the word of God just puts them both together, hand in hand like a glove, word and spirit. The work of the Spirit is to help me and you see not just what the Bible says, but what it means and how it's going to change you. This is what Martin Lord-Jones says. He says, when the Word of God is preached in the power of the Spirit, when the Word of God is preached in the power of the Spirit, it captures the mind, it warms the heart, it activates the will. I need to ask you a couple of questions. Do you actually read the Spirit-filled Word? Do you actually read your Bibles? We often talk about wanting guidance from the Spirit or the Spirit to, to tell you what to do. But do you actually pick up the Word of God and read it? And do you pray? If it is the Spirit who gives you that wisdom and understanding, do you pray, like, like Psalm 119, open my eyes, I might see wonderful things out of your Word? Do you come expectantly? 
when you need wisdom, when you need guidance, where do you run to? I'd love an instant hotline to heaven. I'd love God just to tell me, you know, who to marry and where to live and what job to do and which church to join. It would save me so much time and effort if God would just write it in the sky. But he's done it in here. And sometimes that is hard work and sometimes it is painful and uncomfortable. It happens to me all the time, you know. I've got this situation like a fractured friendship or I'm feeling inadequate as a husband and you open the word of God and you're just refreshed. Thank you. Thank you, Spirit of God, for your inspiring, illuminating word. Here's the third one. He indwells. The Spirit of God lives in you. Look at this extraordinary verse. John 14. I'll ask the Father. He will give you another of the same kind, counselor, to be with you permanently, forever. The Spirit of Truth. Now, the world can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and he will be in you. And again, remember, he's talking to disciples. He's saying, the Spirit has been living with you, but now there's going to be a day where he lives actually inside of you. I won't leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. Isn't that extraordinary? That the Spirit of God doesn't just come alongside you. He doesn't speak from on high into your life. He actually dwells in you. He takes up residence in you. I find that extraordinary. The most beautiful truth that my God lives in me. And so when I doubt, uh, the Spirit of God assures me, no, 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 no. nothing can separate you from, from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Well, there's times, you know, when, I'm sure you have these times where you just don't know what to pray for. You just don't know what to pray for. And you sit there. And the comfort is the Spirit of God living in you, Romans chapter 8, intercedes on your behalf. He's called our counselor. That's the one who, who intercedes for us and says, no, this is my child. He's called our comforter. Because when, when, when we're in trouble, you know, he, his wisdom... The people he brings into our life, the word he brings in, brings that, that eternal comfort. He empowers me to witness when I feel weak. He convicts me of my sin. He, he sanctifies me. He gifts me. He unites me. And, and that most beautiful truth, Galatians chapter 4, by the Spirit of God we cry out, Abba, Father. That's only the Spirit of God living in you can do that. Here's what someone has said. I totally resonate with this. I don't know what the Spirit will do and where he will lead me. But he lives in me and I invite him to guide me. I live each day with awareness of his strength and his power. I don't expect it will always be comfortable. He's leading me in the way of the cross. And the way of the cross is not a safe, pretty or comfortable place to be. But I know the Spirit will never lead me never forsake me and I know that nothing will take the spirit by surprise do you resonate with that living in you and inviting him to say just guide me today here's my last thing 
faithful eyes, he inspires, he interprets, he indwells, and he illuminates Jesus. What Jesus says in John chapter 15. It says, when the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, about Jesus. Or John 16, he will bring glory to me. Do you get it? So, so the Son spoke the words the Father gave him. And then the Spirit takes the things of Jesus, his words, his character, his saving works, and he reveals them to, to you and I more deeply so that we can just, just honor and revere Jesus. It's like the, the spotlight on the stage. You know, when you go to the theater and the lights go out and then the, the spotlight comes on. You don't turn and look at the spotlight. Look at the stage because it's illuminating the character, the actor. That's the role of the Holy Spirit to help you and I see Jesus better. He, John 16, verse 40, he will bring glory to me. The Spirit will bring glory to Jesus. That's the greatest concern of the Holy Spirit, to, to bring glory to, to, the, to the Son, to Jesus Christ. But why is this important? Because the Spirit is not hurt when we fix our eyes on Jesus. We're doing, he's just doing his job. The Spirit doesn't feel neglected in a church if he's not mentioned in every song and every sermon, as long as we're talking about Jesus. The Spirit's not upset if there's no dove in the church, but as long as there's a cross. Now, people say, oh, this church is lacking the Spirit, which they do say. I want to say to them, is that because we don't talk about Jesus enough? Is that because Jesus is not being honored here? What's the greatest sign that the Spirit of God is at work in my life and in your life? It's that you love Jesus more. It's that you're honoring Jesus more in your life. And you're giving Jesus all the glory. Who are the Spirit-filled Christians? The ones who are most Christ-like the ones who are most Christ-filled and Christ-honoring and they're falling at the feet of Jesus and loving him and knowing Jesus and serving Jesus and obeying Jesus. We're not restricting his work. J.R. Packer says this, the Spirit's message is never look at me, listen to me, come to me, get to know me. It's always look at Jesus. See the glory of Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Go to Jesus and have life. Get to know Jesus better and taste his gift of joy and peace. That, that's the work of the Spirit. That's why we sing, Spirit now living and dwelling within me. Keep my eyes ever fixed on Jesus' face. Isn't that what you and I need? To love and honor and serve Jesus more and more and more. And we can't do that by ourselves. Or maybe you think you can. Maybe you think you can. Maybe you think that if you study the Bible enough and write your list of rules that you can actually obey Jesus more. You can't. Isn't that humbling? You need the Spirit. And I need the Spirit. And when you and I neglect the Holy Spirit in our life, it's a tragic life. Because it's an unsatisfied, unfulfilled life. What's the work of the Spirit? 
there's no spirit, there's no Bible. If there's no spirit, you and I can't understand the Bible. If there's no spirit, we have no new birth, we have no progress in our godliness, there's no unity amongst believers, there's no assurance, there's no help, there's no strength. We don't have the Holy Spirit. I want to say just thank you, God. Thank you, God, for your inspiring, interpreting, indwelling, Jesus-illuminating spirit. Why don't we do that now? Let me pray. Father, thank you for not leaving us as orphans. Thank you for coming and taking up residence in these sinful bodies of ours that, wow, that, that you, the, 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 the holy God, would dwell within us as our comforter and our guide and our encourager, our sustainer, our provider. Lord, we need your help to trust you. We need your help to understand the scriptures. So Lord, I do commit to every person in this church tonight that, that you'd open our eyes to see wonderful truths in your word. Spirit of God, would you soften hard hearts? Would you keep us humble? Spirit of God, would you empower us to, to go out from this place tonight and just to, to declare how glorious the name of Jesus is. And Spirit of God, we, we recognize our sin and our failings and we want to be more like Jesus. We want to love him more and serve him more and honor him more. So Spirit of God, we just say, here we are, all of us. Take the whole of us to live for your glory. In Jesus' name.